Well, well, it's Steph Butts. How you guys doing this evening? It is the third of the third of the 2021. That's three, three, two, zero, oh, and then two, one, which is three. So we're looped back around again. Gonna say a couple of shout outs to everybody dropping by tonight. Very nice to chat with you. Molly Pill says hello. <laughs> hello back. Hello again from Rhode Island, says Truth Seeker. Nice to meet you, Astro11. Ooh, yeah, baby. Ooh, yeah. Nobody ever asked me to do, what is that guy who does the um, the Screen Junkies uh, real uh, honest reviews? Uh, honest honest trailers. Honest trailers. <laughs> Give me a movie line and I'll try and do it like a movie guy. Hello from Indiana, says King Earwig. That's giving me nightmares, nightmares of staying in New York. Morning from Sydney Hotel Quarantine. Oh, wow. You got into Australia, Australia, and you are being quarantined. Wow. <laughs> Don't visit Canada. Uh, good evening from the California Valley. Good evening, Westerland. Rajuak says good evening from America. Uh, Soviet Kanakistani says hello from the Canadian Eye of Mordor. Um, you in Ottawa? Is that <laughs> Too close to Chicago, to be honest. Hello from Ontario. Wishing it was Texas. Oh, yeah, no kidding, eh? Good morning from Sydney. Good morning. Hello from Ontario, but at least not the GTA. So that's the Greater Toronto Area, for those who don't know. Says Critic. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. It says Suckers Boomerang. Hello. Light Blue Eagle. Greetings from the UK. Greetings back. Hodler Yodler. Yodle. Says, finally figured out how to track down one of Stefan's live streams. We are an elusive beast. An elusive beast. We are the wind. Is it time? Uh, technically, it's always time. Uh, until you're dead, and then it's decay. So, uh, got the message on Telegram. Well, hello. Uh, right, what else we got here? Any way to block all images and or animations in this chat? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, I'll show you. What you do is this. There's your boomer dad joke. <laughs> right there. I covered my eyes for those just on audio. Uh, what's up, broskies? Says Agent Lost. Hello. A bro is one of these funny words like media bros. It's just a way of, uh, it kind of diminishes people, but in a not too unfriendly way. Are there any decent Ontario telegram groups? That I don't know. Hello from frozen Montreal. Montreal is cold as a witch's tit sometimes. I got to tell you, man. Cold. I remember once having to, uh, I had to go to a bank back in the days when you actually had to go to banks. I had to go to a bank in Montreal when I was a student there in my 20s. And the radio was like, well, you don't make sure you cover up your skin because after two minutes, it will start to freeze. Your skin will start to freeze. And I remember I put on, you know, like the layers. Layers are key when it comes to the cold. If you ain't got layers, you got nothing. And I put on like T-shirt, um, th thin sweatshirt, thick sweatshirt, a sweater, jacket. And then I had a um, one of those sort of Mexican blankets that you put in your head through that I got when I was on vacation. Uh, and uh, made it to the bank, and oh man, it was horrible, absolutely horrible. All right, hello from the hellscape state of Michigan. Well, hello. I believe I fought demons in you the other night. Truth seeker, ready when you are. Oh yeah, I, I was studying, right? Uh, hi, Stefan. Hi, good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I just talked to a guy in his 60s about voluntarism. He acted like I was crazy. Yeah, it's tough. Stefan, these lockdowns are never going to end in most places, are they? Well, it, technically they will because the sun will burn out and uh, you will all be somewhere else. But there'll probably be lockdowns there as well. 
Steph is so fine that he blows my mind. Hey, Ricky. <laughs> Cities are third world hellholes and rural areas are brain drained hellholes. Where should I live? Uh, close to people who share your values. Fiat will persevere forever. Change my mind. I would if you had a mind to change. Um, hello from Kalauna, says Mikey Jenkins. You have the sweetest little daughter. Brother, congrats on raising her. I appreciate that. Yeah, I just put out a show today. Izzy and I, uh, this was recorded recorded last November, but it took me a little while to, to get it out. And it was us talking about movie cliches and Disney cliches and all that kind of stuff. She is uh, uh, wonderful. I am um, very lucky to be able to spend time with her. And uh, we were just talking tonight about how she's finally looking forward to adulthood. <laughs> Hello from Alberta, Canada. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to stay Alberta, Canada, or Alberta, formerly a state of Canada, now its own sovereign country of sanity. I wonder. Philosophy question, is well-being a good standard for objective morality? It is not a good standard for objective morality because well-being is a subjective state of mind and you cannot build objectivity out of subjectivity. And so uh, this is my essential issue with both Randian ethics and Immanuel Kant's ethics, Kantian ethics. And um, Ayn Rand said that that which best serves the life of man is the good. Uh, that is not a philosophically rigorous statement, and it's there to uh, maintain her faith in small government as opposed to no government. So, and Kant said, if you want to know what's moral, you should act as if the principle of your action becomes a general rule for everyone. So if you steal, would you be happy with everybody stealing? Well, of course not, because if everyone steals, nobody's producing, there's nothing to steal, everyone starves, right? Uh, and uh, if, if you rape, would you be happy with rape becoming a general principle everybody followed? Uh, no, you wouldn't, uh, because uh, you don't want to get raped and so on, right? So so I have a couple of problems, but let's start with the Ayn Rand one. So the Ayn Rand one, that which is uh, good or that which serves the, the, the life of man, is good for the life of man, is the good. But man is not one big indistinct, indistinct blob with one need, right? So human beings have conflicting needs a lot of times. And what is good for one person's need may be very bad for another person's need. There's no such thing as a collective entity called mankind that one particular set of principles benefits. Uh, if you are a uh, sadist, then you want a society where cruelty is condoned, right? You want a socialist or totalitarian or fascist society where you can be cruel and mean to other people and suffer no negative consequences. I mean, look at uh, Cuomo in New York, just gave a press conference today. And of course, he didn't resign and nothing bad's going to happen to the guy. Guy got an Emmy for a book on excellent COVID leadership while pursuing orders or, or creating and enforcing orders that caused the deaths of thousands of people. Uh, caused the deaths of... <laughs> See, I get deplatformed for talking about the science of ethnic differences. Well, actually, I was thinking today, I probably got deplatformed for the same reason that they're trying to, in a far more sinister fashion, uh, deplatform uh, Saddam. Sorry, uh, Bashar al-Assad of, of uh, Syria, of course, because al-Assad is, um, no, Assad, is uh, protecting Christians, right? And that's the one thing you can't have. So uh, I was not deplatformed until I started to speak positively of Christianity. And that, of course, was a bridge too far for the anti-Christians who run society uh, these days. So if you're a sadist, you want a cruel society. If you are without a conscience, you want a society where predation 
is fine knowing that you live in a society where other people do have a conscience. Because if you can just go around stealing from people without feeling bad about it because you have no conscience, you're a sociopath or a psychopath, then you're fine because you, you're fine saying, oh, yeah, nobody should steal or everyone should steal because you know that most people won't steal because they have a conscience, they have empathy, right? Society is composed of, uh, in a sense, competing subgroups, uh, such as uh, the predator and prey relationship that I talked about years ago with regards to criminals right, and, and their prey. So a subterfuge, and uh, we, we are designed, of course, to maximize resources and minimize effort, and sometimes that means stealing. And stealing is perfectly valid in the animal kingdom. It's perfectly valid since we are part of the animal kingdom. It's perfectly valid for us. And so the idea that that which is good for man, well, uh, it is good for less intelligent people uh, to get their resources by lying, by manipulating. That that is good for them. That that gives them benefit. It is to it's all evil, but it, it's it's to the benefit of um, of uh, aggressive genes uh, to rape because that will often cause the replication of aggressive uh, genes. And, and so, biologically speaking, the, the good of man is, is it's like saying, um, I don't know, the good of, of, the good of the Serengeti. I mean, what does that mean? Serengeti has uh, deer that want to run away from lions, lions that want to eat deer. It has uh, birds, jackals, it has plants, it has trees, they're all competing for water. I mean, what does it mean? Uh, each individual subgroup is competing for resources. It's the same thing in Humanity. So that which is good for man, there is no such, and because she was such an individualist, it's surprising to me she didn't see this. That which is good for man is not a valid concept because it is a perfectly valid reproductive and evolutionary strategy to use subterfuge, to use manipulation, to use violence or threats thereof to gain resources. I mean, that's, that's why we have those things, because they work, right? So they work for a certain subgroup. Uh, for rational people, sure, you want free markets, you want uh, free speech, and so on. But if you are a um, a dumb person and you want to have influence in society, then of course you don't want free speech, because as a dumb person, you're going to be more likely to be both certain and highly aggressive to the point of violence. Particularly that criminal sweet spot at about IQ eighty five, you don't want free speech. You want to shut the people up who have free speech. Uh, people who are currently on welfare and have been for say three or four or five generations are enormously benefit their genes are enormously benefiting as they themselves are enormously benefiting from the welfare state. So if the welfare state ends, they're not going to do very well. You can say, "Oh, well they'll be fine in the long run." It's like, eh, "Not sure. Not sure about that. Not positive about that. It's become a pretty negative sum game at the moment." So, yeah, so for people like you or I, the welfare state is probably pretty bad. I mean, I'm not talking the morals, just like survival or or flourishing. But if you're a man and you want to sleep with a lot of women without consequences, then you want a socialist health care and, and, and socialist redistribution scheme so that women will open their legs from you and you can bounce from bed to bed, not worrying about the bastards you leave behind and not worrying about the STDs you spread because you won't be liable for them because the taxpayer will be forced to pay for it. So if you want to sleep around, welfare state, socialized health care, it's all our selected stuff, right? If you remember that from my Gene Wars videos. So what does it mean to say that which is good for man? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's like saying even even if you take one species, that which is good for lions. Well, there are lots of different lions all pursuing the same herd of zebras. And if one lion, if lion group A or lion pride A gets it and lion pride B doesn't, then that's good for lion pride A and bad for lion pride B. So what does it mean to say good for lions? 
I mean, the male lions, as you know, famously destroy or kill, murder the offspring of uh, any single female lion or lioness that they come across, right? Let's say the male lion died who fathered the children. The new one comes along. The women will allow, uh, the female lion will allow the male lion to kill the offspring. So anyway, what does it mean to even say good for li uh, lions? It doesn't, doesn't really mean anything. They're all in competition as they are within themselves for, and, and with all of the other creatures in a general ecosystem. So it doesn't really mean anything to say that which is good for man is, is the moral. Because what's good for some men is distinctly immoral, and you can say. Now, when it comes to the, um, you know, the Kantian ethics, where you say act as if the principle of your action becomes a general rule for everyone, well, why? Why should you do that? What if you don't want to do that? Or what if you say, well, my particular principle for action is whoever can convince the most people to serve his needs is the one who wins. And you happen to be a very gifted orator. You happen to be a very good sophist. You happen to be very good looking. You've got a wonderful, mellifluent Richard Burton style voice and you're very convincing and you're very imposing. And you're tall and, and you've got great hair and you know, you're like a televangelist come to life as a mortal foe of Socrates. So then you're happy with, oh yeah, let's let everyone, everyone who can convince people to give them resources, that's, that's totally a general principle that I'm happy with because I know I'll be the best at it. I know. Like if, you, if you're the tallest and strongest guy in the village and the most brutal and violent and you say we should allow physical violence to be the way in which women are chosen, right? That the men beat each other up and, and the last man standing gets, gets the woman, the, the, the pick of women or gets five wives or whatever, right? Well, um, you're happy with that principle because you're the biggest and strongest. So you can say, yeah, size and strength should determine reproductive opportunities or should determine who gets the biggest or best house or whatever right it's the older brother principle right older brothers might say uh, you move into some new house and they say uh, whoever gets there whoever gets to the room first gets to choose it right if, if they stay in that room because they know they're the fastest they say oh it's a universal principle yeah i'm fine with it being a universal principle because i know i'm best at it so a why on earth should you follow the categorical imperative of Kant? and secondly you can come up with endless scenarios wherein people would be perfectly sensible in extrapolating an immoral principle to a universal standard because they're the best at immorality. So it's all uh, terrible nonsense. So no, well-being is not a good standard for objective morality. Universally preferable behavior, my whole theory of ethics, which I won't go into here because I've done it a million times before. You can get the free book. You can also go to essentialphilosophy.com. That's essentialphilosophy.com. And you can get a free book, uh, Essential Philosophy, and there's a very good summary of UPB in the last third. Uh, got a question for you, Steph. What is it about some people that they are so quick to dismiss reason and evidence right in front of them? They are not dismissing reason and evidence. You got to go to what's really going on in my, I mean, my arguments, in my perspective, my argument. So people are not dismissing reason and evidence. That's not how people work. They don't look at reason and evidence and say, I don't want to have anything to do with reason and evidence. They don't do that. Um, I, I was uh, on an app today, uh, having a debate with, um, uh, liberal, a self-confessed liberal. I didn't identify him that way. Self-confessed liberal about, he's like, well, you gotta, you gotta do what the right thing, gotta do the right thing. And you have to uh, wear a mask. You, you, you have to wear a mask because you have to do what's good. We're all interconnected. You have to do what's better for everyone. You have to do what's best for everyone, even if it's inconvenient to you. You gotta wear a mask, right? So we went through some stuff, some data. And then I said at the very end, I said, you know, I can't help but notice because I could see his picture, right? I said, I can't help but notice that you've got some big-ass beard on your face. 
And he's like, yeah, so? I said, but if you are wearing a mask and you have a big beard, the mask becomes pretty inefficient, right? I mean, it's, it's not sitting on your face. It's lots of air gaps from the hair keeping the mask off your face, lots of, right? So now he, he wouldn't, he, he, you have data on that? It's like, no, but I have a brain. <laughs> Come on, you don't need data to know that a big ass mask, a big ass beard makes a mask less efficient. Obviously, that's not complicated, right? And uh, I said, so why do you, why do you, why do you keep a beard when you say we should do everything we can to protect other people? Why do you keep a beard when you know it makes your mask less efficient? He says, wow, but I have this really fat face. I said, okay, so we should do everything we can to protect our fellow citizens unless it interferes with our own petty vanity about having a fat face or, or whatever, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. So why was he rejecting reason and evidence? Because I, you know, I asked him, about what, what he knew about masks and he didn't really know much of anything. And I asked him, do you know the data between the states with mask mandates and the states without mask mandates? The trajectory of coronavirus is practically identical for, for both situations. Sweden has not no mask mandate and they're doing very well. Florida's been open since last May. Texas is just opening up. It's been fairly open. They have very low um, COVID uh, issues and so on, right? So he didn't know any of this stuff. Now, why was he rejecting what it is that I was saying. He's not rejecting reason and evidence. He's not reject. He's rejecting rejection. Right. He, he, uh, please understand this. People are not comparing what you say to some ideal of truth and science and math and facts and data and charts and graphs. Right. They're not doing. They're not doing that at all. At all. And we're not programmed to do that. We're the exception that proves the rule in, in this conversation, right? So he's rejecting not my reason, not my evidence, not my data. He is rejecting rejection because, I'll tell you very simply, and you understand this, it's the moment I say it, the moment I start saying it, you understand it. So what he's doing is he's saying, oh dear, if I accept what this guy is saying, this guy being me, then if I go back to my friends and my family and my boss and my co-workers and my cousins and my aunts and my uncles, they will reject me for repeating what Steph said or for even asking the question. And I've experienced, I mean, one of the first times I experienced this really sort of vividly in my mind, I was about 15, 14 or 15 years old, and I was chatting with a Christian and he went through the steps of improbability that would result, that, that were required in order for life to arise from the primordial soup, right? For single-celled organisms to begin to arise, for life to arise from non-life. And he went through the mathematics and the mathematics were, well, pretty improbable. <laughs> it was pretty improbable that life would arise from non-life. That's a good argument. It's a good argument. And so... I still remember his name, too, to, to this day. So he always reminded me of that guy with uh, really great hair from WKRP in Cincinnati, Travis. Something. Anyway, so I went to my regular friends, um, and they were all atheists, and I started to go through this argument. I said, this is a very interesting argument, and, you know, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not really that good at math, but, you know, it seemed like he had some some points. They never let me get anywhere with the argument. They simply said, no, I mean, it's not possible. I mean, even if it's improbable, that's what happened. 
And I said, listen, he didn't say, and therefore God. He just said it's kind of improbable, in fact, virtually impossible for the standard narr- uh, an atheist narrative to, to come about as, as to how life started. The amino acids and what are the odds and all that, right? Okay, that's, I said, it's a good argument. It doesn't mean that I became like I was anti-atheist or because uh, I was an atheist at this time. But it's like, you know, this is good. And my friends were just like, they wouldn't hear it. Like I tried, I tried three or four times. Like, I said, yeah, no, I understand that. But, you know, it is a good argument and we should probably run through the math because there were some people there who are very good at math. No, no, just no, absolutely not. It wouldn't even entertain the idea. And I remember thinking that's, that's not, that's not good. (laughs) That's not good. You should be able to entertain and engage in opposing ideas. You should be able to argue for opposing ideas to be sure that you are correct, right? I mean, you've got to really, ex- I mean, I read people who I disagree with strongly. I had a really interesting debate with this guy today. And you've got to be able to do that, right? I mean, if you want to be intellectually mature and, and reasonable. So people are not dismissing your reason and evidence. They're dismissing facts that would cause other people in their life to reject them. And we are designed not to pursue truth, but to pursue reproductive survival. Right? Please, please, you understand this. We are, we are mammals. We are animals. And any of our ancestor that chose truth over reproductive survival was not our ancestor. <laughs> you understand? We are, we are an unbroken chain of life going back four billion years of organisms that chose reproductive survival over everything else. Everything else. We are an unbroken chain of horny bullshit to the dawn of time. Right? You understand? All of our ancestors, when they were faced with the choice of telling a woman the truth or her father, a truth that would have them not get laid, they chose getting laid over getting the truth. They chose sex over facts. They chose vagina over reality. And if, if you want to fault them, you're just wishing that you weren't there. You, you, you're wishing that you didn't exist, because that's why we all exist, because every single one of our ancestors, when faced with the choice between sex and truth, chose sex over truth. And so we are programmed, and I talked about this uh, a couple of years ago in Orlando, we are programmed to reproduce. And if truth helps us reproduce, yeah, we're all down for truth, totally. But if truth interferes with us reproducing, screw truth, man. <laughs> screw to hell with truth. I'm, I'm going to make some babies. And we are all the result of that. We are all the result of that. All the result of that. So when people reject you, they're rejecting something which is going to destroy their lineage. In other words, if they accept the truth, all of their all of the women around them are leftists. Uh, they hate Trump. Blah blah blah. Right? This guy was was I mean to me at least so off the map of reality that he said, well, you know, Trump didn't do anything for, to 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 deal with COVID. I'm like, oh my god, the guy closed borders. He harangued people. He 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 developed a vaccine in nine months. You know, come on. I mean. <laughs> You can't say you did nothing. You like him or hate him. You got to give him the vaccine. Like or hate the vaccine. You got to give him the vaccine. He did that. And this guy was pro-vaccine. So, you know. But saying anything positive about Trump will have him unfellowed, right? Like, I don't know what they call it in the uh, LDS community. Like, you you dis, disfellow people or you, you shun people or whatever, right? I mean, so he's not rejecting reason and evidence. He's not rejecting you. He's just rejecting being rejected which is exactly what our ancestors did, and hopefully we can make it without 
<laughs> without I'm trying to create an entire generation of women who will respect the truth, right? So I'm working to get you laid. <laughs> All right. Um, they will readily accept anything from a, quote, trusted news source. Well, sure, because accepting something from a trusted news source will get you laid in your environment, right? Women control reproduction, which means women control men's commitment to truth. Enjoyed the Disney movie cliche podcast earlier. Oh, good. Thanks. I also spent a couple of hours on Clubhouse today, so... If you're on, please uh, look for me and follow me. Steph's daughter is the next Ayn Rand. Oh, I hope not. Um, I like Ayn Rand a lot. She has a huge, massive influence on me. But um, no, I don't want her to become... I don't want her to... Be, I don't want her to... I mean, Ayn Rand reportedly had an abortion. She never had any kids. And she spent uh, pretty much the last 40 years of her life in nihilistic misery. So I hope not. I hope not. Izzy's chemistry rant was funny. Yes. She still does that. She still does that. Thoughts on the average home in the GTA being worth a million dollars? No, I mean, that's what happens when you prevent uh, the creation of new houses in the environment and you have mass immigration. I mean, it's natural, right? All right. Uh, Steph, how much do you think the parent is responsible for the child's behavior slash personality? Well, you, you start off 100%. And you, um, you will always be somewhat responsible for your child's behavior and personality. Um, from a legal standpoint, even in a free society, there'd be some standard for this, whether it's eight, the year 18 or whatever it is, right? So uh, the, uh, when I see um, a parent uh, with, with a screaming, whining, upset child, um, I automatically, I mean, I know, I just automatically know, I know for a simple and basic fact that the child is crying and screaming and having a tantrum because the child's just not being listened to. And the child is incredibly angry, helpless, frustrated, because the parent just won't freaking listen to the child. Listening to a child doesn't mean that you agree. It's a funny thing, right? People think that if you listen to someone, you have to agree. And that comes from a female thing like, uh, you're not supporting me, therefore you haven't been listening to me. It's like, no, 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 I can listen to you. I can listen to you and really understand where you're coming from and not support what you're doing, right? So kids need to be listened to. If they're listened to, it takes a whole... And this is true for most human conflict, right? When I was in the business world, I remember one time uh, I flew out. I thought it was going to be for a uh, project status update with a very million-dollar-plus contract that we were working on for my software. And when I got out there, uh, there was a whole, uh, all of the executives of this, I won't name the company, it's very, very, you know the company, it's a very big company. All the executives were sitting at a table and I was like in the hot seat, right? It was a big U-shaped table and I was at the, you know, the bottom end of the magnet, so to speak. And they were just, just pounding me uh, for various things. You know, you said, oh, you got a salesperson here who says he created the product, not you. And he was making all kinds of promises about what it was technically capable of. And we have this project management system, uh, that is not being updated. And, uh, we've, we've, uh, heard that there's vast underestimates that the project is way behind. It was like, boom, 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 but they were mad. They were talking about, uh, canceling the contract, the lawsuits. Oh, it was, they were really mad at how things were going. Now I was, uh, the technical, I was chief technical officer, and uh, it was not my job to run the projects. Uh, I would supply things technically, but it was not my job to run the projects. But I was there, and I spent an hour just, you know, tell me more, uh, tell me more, making notes, listening, and not uh, responding. And, you know, when I have a call, then I'll sometimes spend up to an hour just listening and, and getting information before I start 
uh, putting things back. And, and that project ended up working out okay. They were mad. I understood why they were mad. And uh, But uh, just, just listen. Listen to people's grievances. Your kids are upset. Listen to them. So I just know for sure this is a parent who views the child as an annoyance. And they don't, the parent does not seem to understand at all that they're absolutely creating the very behavior they're rejecting the child for. They're, 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 you couldn't, like with a Lego blocks, you couldn't create the behavior more certainly that if you don't listen to your child, if you don't empathize with your child, again, that doesn't mean that you agree with them. When my daughter was little, we'd be in a, the grocery store and she'd say, oh, I just want 10 of those candy bars. And I'd be like, oh, man. I want 100. If I could live off candy bars, I would absolutely totally live off candy bars. I could eat this whole shelf probably. And, and uh, you know, I probably wouldn't live to the next day, but I'd die with a smile on my face. And I would just empathize with her because we all, you know, I love chocolate. I love candy. And I really have to not eat it too much, right? Because it's not good for me. But you just empathize. You, you think you want candy? Oh, man. Oh, I, could, I could eat all of that, right? And, and once she understood that I'm not sitting there saying, well, you can't have it. Actually, oh, I guess I want the candy, but you can't have any. It's like, just said I want it, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, like uh, if you're dating a, a girl and, and you say, oh, she's very pretty. Oh, yeah, you want to sleep with her? It's like, no, just saying she's pretty. <laughs> and say I want to sleep with her. Just because she's pretty doesn't mean, anyway. So uh, when the kids are young, yeah, you're 100% responsible for their behavior and personality. And you remain, for their life, a primary driver of behavior and personality. Legally, you've got to cut the parent off for responsibility and give the child adulthood uh, at some point. So, All right. It's important to get into entrepreneurship these days. Any tips on finding a project someone would enjoy and giving value to the world? So... You look... You, I mean... Look for something that you're missing. Look for, look, look for something that you're looking for that isn't there, or that you care about, right? So that's, that's I mean, what, what I think is that we should have a website that uh, translates, there's one that translates Bitcoin to gold. There should be one that translates Bitcoin to everything. Price of everything in Bitcoin.com or whatever, right? I'd be creating that if I wasn't doing this show. So um, find something that's missing that you care about, that you need, that you want, and then see if anybody else is working to provide it. And if not, start to build it yourself. How is the parenting book coming along, Steph? Slow as I can't even tell you. Slow as I can't even tell you, but it's it's coming. Uh, vaccine passports are coming faster than you realize. It's all the rage in Israel right now. Brace yourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, without a doubt, vaccine. I mean, I remember traveling to Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, and I had to go get, what, yellow fever or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the vaccine passports are coming. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, how, how you can you can try. You can try to stop it, and maybe you should, but all uh, right. Prevent people from stealing from you. Buy cryptocurrency. <laughs> when you debated Skylar Turden, did you know it was Stephen Crowder? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course I did, yeah. True, true privilege was evolving in a warm climate. Europeans only now are bearing the cognitive privileges that for ancestors torment in the cold. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, uh, without a doubt. Except, you know, uh, it's a story I read when I was a... So when I was... Oh, man, do we really want to get into this heartbreak? So when I was 12, uh, my family just split apart. I mean, my father left when I was a baby, but my family, it was a year after we came to Canada, my, my, my family just completely split apart. My mother went to Germany 
my brother went to England. My brother was only supposed to England for a couple of months. He stayed for a couple of years. My mother stayed a long time, and I was literally dumped with a friend of mine's grandparents. And my friend wasn't even around. He was at summer camp all summer, so I basically just stayed in this apartment in uh, Toronto. Uh, it was a condo with this old couple, and she had serious health issues, and I just spent month after month with no money, nothing to do, no friends around, couldn't go anywhere, because, uh, you know, it was, and it was uh, just a, I mean, just a mess. It was just a mess. And I had so little connection with this granddad, this, this my friend's granddad, I had so little connection with him, that... And I remember the woman had to sit all, the grandmother had to sit all the time with her legs up on a coffee table because she had circulation issues or something. And I remember I was on a walk with the granddad and we had like, when I'm with someone that I grok with, that I kind of understand and we get, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to agree on much. But if we're both sort of in the same vibe length, I mean, I, as you know, I can talk a dime a dozen, right? No problem, no issues, great fun. My family, current family is like that. So... It was so, I had so little connection with this guy, this old guy, and I was so desperate for conversation. Uh, there was a, I remember walking along the street, there was a, a donut store, and they spent it D-O-N-U-T, right? So the way I understood it from England, it's this D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T, so don't dog nut, do nut. And I was so desperate for conversation, I would say to him, you know, I said, isn't it, isn't it funny how, you know, they're willing to sacrifice spelling just to get people's attention? Like it, over there, it just says donut, right? And he looked at the donut store and he, he looked at me, looked at the donut store, looked back and said, you want a donut? I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no, I, don't, I didn't say it because I want a donut. I just said it because it's kind of interesting, right? And I remember they played Engelbert Humperdinck all the time, all the time. There's a place in the sun where there's hope for everyone. <laughs> like, oh my God, you, you're making me go bald at the age of 11 with your musical tastes. <laughs> Stop it. Engelbert Humperdinck, night and day, night and day. Um, anyway, so when I was at that condo, I uh, was so bored. But there was a library across the street, and I used to go to the library, and I'd just sit and read, 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 read. And occasionally, I, you know, if I had a couple of pennies, I'd uh, photocopy a picture and then color it in later with some crayons that were in the house. But um, anyway, so I, I just, this was a summer, I just, it was like four months or whatever it was, and I just, three and a half months, something like that. I just, I read. I read like, I don't know, two books a day if I could. And I remember one of the books, sorry, this is a big introduction to a sh long story about a short story. So I read a short story and it was a boy who wanted a young, he was like probably a little older than me. The boy was like 13 or 14 in the, in the story. And, you know, if anybody ever knows what I'm talking about, uh, this is an obscure story from a obscure book from 40 years ago, so... More than 40. Oh, God, I'm old. <laughs> so if anybody ever knows what book it is, please let me know. I'd be, I'd be curious. But this boy wanted to win a swimming race. But when he went to the best place to swim, he was, uh, he was bullied. Right? There was a bully there. and The bullies drove him off. And he ended up having to go to some other place where there was a lot of riptides, undercurrents, a lot of surf, a lot of rocks. And he would have to practice there because he would just get bullied and and beat up if he went to the, the beach, which was good for swimming. And he so he was there for a month or two, and, and that's where he did his training. Uh, and then when it came time for the swimming competition, uh, he won, like by a full body length, right? Why? 
Why did he win? Because he lost, right? He won because he lost. Because he was forced into a harsh environment, he got stronger, right? So this is uh, East Asians evolving out of Siberia. This is Europeans, uh, white Europeans, Caucasians uh, evolving in northern Western Europe and so on. Yeah, winter sucked. And uh, it was bad. And the people who didn't plan for winter, who didn't think ahead, the people who were violent, who didn't cooperate, um, yeah, they uh, they died. So you're going to talk about all this privilege. You, you do at least have to include the 100,000 years of brutal conditions that killed off 90% of people who weren't smart enough. Probably been asked, but why do you praise some aspects of Christianity? Because Christian ethics is the closest to philosophical ethics that exist. And it is, in fact, closer to philosophical ethics than most philosophical ethics because Christian ethics is about universality, right? Christianity, uh, this is the big step forward, right? The big step forward from the Old Testament is not in-group preference but universal morality. Um, the the uh, Jews, more into in-group preference. The Muslims, more into in-group preference. A lot of other religions, more into in-group preference. Christianity is universal, the universal morals. Steph, this reminds me of the Joker review you did. Sorry, this might back, it might be well. Uh, well, the normal faction of whites ever demand proper re representation on the national level. Well, it's all going to collapse and everyone's going to go back to their corners, probably. Female fighter breaks up with great boyfriend after one pose he makes during his UFC fight. I don't know what that means. Sorry. All right. I heard what they might do in Quebec regarding vaccine passports. Crazy. Well, I mean, they're just milking the fears that they've instilled, right? See, people, we, we few, we happy few, we, we know how to think, right? You've studied philosophy, you've studied history, you, you know, I mean, I've got Art of the Argument.com, a whole book on how to think, right? So you know how to think. And most people don't. Most people have no clue how to think. They just react emotionally. They're easy to control. And this is how society, you know, the elites don't want you learning how to think. I mean, they only, they're only elites because you don't think. So for them, uh, they view me, philosophy, reason, evidence, facts, critical thinking with the same way that your average vampire views the average sun sunbeam light, right? So, Are UPPs compatible with human biology or any biology? I'm not sure what you mean. UPB is not a biological statement or a scientific statement, statement of philosophy. Uh, robots and automation will do half of all new and current jobs plus population increase to 11 billion. How will everyone make money? Well, the population is already beginning to decline. COVID is a big aspect of that. The population uh, birth rates have dropped 10 or more percent in, in many places. So... Don't worry about the population exploding. I mean, it, of course, it is a big problem, right? Because smart people are creating the tools that eliminate dumb people's jobs. And listen, when I say smart people and dumb people, everybody's a person. Everybody deserves absolutely equal rights. Everybody's deserving of respect. I'm somebody, you know, it's like tall people and short people, smart people and dumb people. And not their fault. Uh, IQ 80% genetics. So I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just, you know, pointing out a, a difficult facts that we either deal with or it deals with us in a brutal manner, right? So we have, uh, as you know, um, when you start to dip around the mid-80s IQ and below, there's really not much for people to do, economically speaking, in a modern economy. There just isn't. And of course, the more that, that uh, people are dumped down in schools, 
the more that uh, the family disintegrates to the point where women don't need to choose good providers, which means usually higher IQ. And the more that there's this push for minimum wage, which is going to drive endless numbers of less intelligent people out of work, uh, we, are, we are creating a disaster. It's, it's a slow-walking, inevitable disaster that has, uh, is occurring. And as smart people invent more labor-saving devices that raise the IQ requirements for successful participation in, mod- in a modern economy even higher, we have a problem. And normally that problem is solved by war. You go to war, you put the less intelligent people in the front lines. This is exactly why the IQ test was developed, by the way, but you implemented in the army for sure. So you put the lower IQ people in the front lines, they get killed, and then you just start the cycle all over again. It's really, really sad. Um, And we either have rational discussions about it or we wait for disaster to hit us. And the people who are really nihilistic, who just want to see the world burn, the jokers of the, of the clubhouse, so to speak, they're, they're suppressing discussions on things like IQ because they want the world to burn. And, you know, right now it's like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I gave it a shot, right? Uh, somebody's account says, I was in that clubhouse with you. That was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be funny. I wasn't trying to make fun of the guy. It just seems kind of funny, right? Did anyone record this? I love listening to Stefan talk to lefties. Yeah, I did say to everyone that um, uh, I was recording it, which you're allowed to do, but uh, it doesn't record on your own. How does one get in the Clubhouse Club? You have to be invited. It's uh, an iOS app, as far as I know, only. Let's see here. Fat face vanity. Yeah, that was kind of sad, right? If you believe in free will, then why is there no apparent shadow cast by that statue? Why is the conversation always genes versus environment? If you believe in free will, it sounds like there's a good question in there somewhere. If you believe in free will, why is then why is there no apparent shadow cast by that statue? Why is the conversation always genes versus environment? But the fact that I'm having a conversation is because I believe in free will, that you can list the reason and evidence and change your mind. I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Sorry. Money is an even bigger cult. Oh, that's just a DPD. It really doesn't. Uh... A universally preferable behavior. Preferred behavior is compatible with human biology. No, it's not preferred. It's preferable. Preferred is past tense. Preferable is future tense. So again, you'll have to clarify a little more if you don't mind. Sorry if I'm not getting it, but... All right. Let's see here. During a job interview, when I'm asked if I'm a team player, I ask for definition and they always try and weasel away from answering. (laughs) Are they secretly asking if I'm a collectivist slash commie? So a team player means that they have difficult team members and they want to know if you're going to cause trouble or provide opportunities by standing up to them. So a team player means that you will subsume your individual judgment to the collective, which you would only be asked to do if the collective was not good, when the collective was making bad decisions. So a team player is, are you going to cause me any trouble by disagreeing with a difficult employee and putting me in the middle as a boss? So that's usually what it is. Will you eventually take the vaccine, Steph? Um, I mean, so it's a it's a big question. I, I don't have any final decisions. I mean, there's lots of data that's coming in. Uh, I mean, I've been vaccinated in the past, uh, and you know, I still have my I still have my smallpox scar from when I got vaccinated when I was seven in boarding school, where we all stood around and said, "Hey, man, did you get a scratch? Did you jerk away? Or are you a tough guy?" I was a tough guy, but anyway, um, 
If it's a vaccine, I'm, I'm not anti-vax. I think vaccinations are fantastic and wonderful. I really enjoy not having smallpox and polio in my life. I think it's a wonderful thing. So I'm not anti-vax at all. I think it's early days. It is an experimental biological agent, this uh, mRNA stuff. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of how quickly it was developed. I'm not a fan of not knowing what corners they cut. I'm not a fan of the fact that you can uh, not sue any of the vaccine manufacturers by legal fiat if the vaccine causes damage to you. I'm just not a fan of any of this stuff. And there's a lot that I will give up in order to avoid the vaccine. Um, I certainly won't allow myself to be forcibly jabbed. I mean, that absolutely will not happen. Um, but, you know, if they say, well, you can't travel internationally unless you take the vaccine. Okay, well, I'm not going to uh, take the vaccine in order to travel internationally. Now, if a certain amount of time goes by, you know, I'm a science guy. I'm a fact guy. I'm an empiricist, as I've always said. So if a certain amount of time goes by, I don't know exactly what that time is, but if a certain amount of time goes by and cautions, concerns, fears fail to materialize, it does not affect fertility. It doesn't make you hypersensitive to the next coronavirus that comes along. There don't appear to be any particularly negative effects and it does protect you from the virus and blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, again, I'm an empiricist. So I just, I can't even tell you how much data I'm going to need to put an experimental biological agent in my body. <laughs> but it's going to be a lot. But again, if the evidence is overwhelming, that it's safe and effective and blah, 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 okay, well then, uh, again, I'm, I'm fact-based and all that, right? Do you think it would be possible to have a get-together in Ontario like the one you had in Poland at the bar? Uh, no, I don't think it would be uh, possible because anything I put out publicly, uh, you will get uh, bomb threats, death threats, blah, 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 blah. In Poland, I was safe. In Hong Kong, I was safe. And because I talked about that, uh, apparently I'm an, uh, if I'm talking about being safe, apparently I'm just some terrible evil guy because I happened to notice that there were certain places in the world, in particular Poland was the first one where I was, uh, where I was safe. You know, Having come off the, uh, I think the uh, my tour with Lauren Southern was before that, I think. And yeah, so having come off the tour of Lauren Southern in Australia, which was incredibly violent and, and dangerous. And then you could just go and meet people and have an evening's chat. Somebody recorded it somewhere on YouTube, I think, an evening's chat about philosophy with people. Uh, and, you know, had there were some Muslims there. We had great arguments about uh, their belief system and all that. It was great. So... Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty nice to live in a civilized society where you could get together with people you disagreed with or people you agreed with and, and have really robust, fun debates. It was in a bar. I was pouring drinks for everyone. Uh, it was free drinks uh, for, for everybody who wanted to come talk philosophy. It was a great night. It was a great night. And no, you can't do it because uh, A, it will get leaked. B, there'll be a lot of violence and threats. C, if you go through with it, uh, there will be violence uh, at the bar and the police will uh, do nothing. So... Sorry. Uh, again, I'm an empiricist, and that's the way it is. Um, Poland, by the way, is now going to impose huge fines on social media companies that ban, silence, suppress legal speech, speech that is legal in Poland. It's a pretty elegant solution, of course. But Do you think low IQ levels can dismiss someone from moral responsibility? Well, sure. Yeah, if it goes low enough. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I'm a biochemist. I'd never take the experimental mixture. It's not a vaccine by definition. No, right, it's not. I mean, there's, I think there's, isn't there two kinds, one of the, MR, uh, uh, the mRNA and then the one that's more of a traditional vaccine. So, How dangerous is it to raise the next generation of voters to believe that their childhood is canceled to protect the elderly? Well, 
At least they're being kept out of schools, right? How can I get set up for a call-in show? Uh, you can email me at, uh, well, not operations, call-in, C-A-L-L-I-N, call-in at freedomain.com. Steph, can you talk about nihilism? I don't have an adequate way of articulating objection to it, but you've had helpful ways to counter it. Uh, yes, I, I can talk about uh, nihilism. So nihilism is predicated on two circumstances, one emotional and one intellectual. The first circumstance is that you are raised by hypocrites, right? Raised by hypocrites. If you're raised by hypocrites, then you view all moral pronouncements as threats, as dangerous, and they become your enemies, right? Uh, hypocrites, and, and almost all child abusers are hypocrites foundationally because they don't abuse children in public. They only abuse children in private, which shows that strangers get their the parents' best behavior and their own helpless, dependent, and attached children get their worst behavior, so you have to be severely traumatized as a child by rank hypocrites in order to um, develop the fertile soil for nihilism. That's not quite enough to uh, make it come into being, though. That's the fertile soil. That's not necessarily the seed and the conditions for it to grow uh, very, very well. Um, so once you've been raised by hypocrites, then what you have to do is you have to detach concepts from reality. And it sounds very abstract, but it's very emotionally deep and, and, and a powerful downward drag on the personality. So you have to detach concepts from the world as a whole. And you know that this, this uh, separation of concepts from the world is, is pure Platonism. And I've got a four-plus-hour whole lecture on Platonism with with the slides and all that kind of stuff, which you can find. Uh, the best place to find my podcast, I get this question a lot, go to fdrpodcast.com, fdrpodcast.com. And there's a good search engine there. Just do a search for the podcast you want, Plato or whatever, go down and there'll be a bit shoot link, there'll be a library link, and you can just go and watch the videos there. It's a really, really great, great way to get the videos because sometimes the other search engines are not that great. But this fdrpodcast.com, just go there, search, find the videos, and bingo, bango, bongo, you're good to go. So separating concepts from reality is, and this is a problem people have with universally preferable behavior, theory of ethics, UPB. As I say, well, UPB doesn't exist. There's no such thing as UPB. It's, it's just a concept, man. It's just an idea. You know, this idea, ivory tower stuff, concepts are separated from reality. What goes on in the mind is totally separate from things in the world, blah, 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 right? Um, idealism, it can be called in some ways. But yeah, Platonism for sure, right? So people say... UPB doesn't exist. People say to me, well, do morals exist? It's like, no. Well, that just means they're not real. It's like, uh, okay, yeah, they're not real. So? Well, then that means it's subjective. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the next step. That's not even close to the next step. So the next step is, okay, well, is the scientific evidence, is the scientific method real? Does it exist in the world in the same way as that which it describes? Well, no. Does mathematics, is that in the real world? If you've got six coconuts, do you also have the number six lying around? No. Does that mean that the number six is arbitrary? No. You have to have six coconuts to, to say there are six coconuts. It's not arbitrary. Just because it doesn't exist in the real world doesn't mean it's arbitrary or subjective. But what they do is they say everything that exists in the mind is arbitrary and subjective, which means every sta statement anyone ever makes about truth or virtue is, is false. It's 
it has no capacity for being true because there's no connection between what goes on in the mind and what actually happens in reality. And that comes out of hypocrisy. When you grow up seeing people doing the exact opposite of what they preach, you get this idea that things in the mind don't have any relationship to things in the world because you're raised by hypocrites. But that's just your asshole parents. That's not, that's not the truth. It's not facts. It's not reality. If you say it's raining, that's a concept. Rain is a concept in the mind. Does that mean rain? the concept in the mind has nothing to do with raindrops falling from the sky? Raindrops keep falling on my head. No, it doesn't. Of course it has It has to do with, say it's cloudy out, does that have something to do with water vapor in the air? Yes, it does. But if you're raised by hypocrites, you believe that everything in the mind is completely dissociated or reversed by things in reality, and you can't ever get out of your head and into the real world. You, you're like a helium balloon bouncing along. You, you've got no connection to things in the world. You've got no connection to things in the world. Your mind, it's like um, a car. You're revving it, driving it full park, maximum revs. But the wheels aren't touching the ground. You never get anywhere. The wheels of your mind have to touch the tarmac of reality for you to get somewhere. And nihilists, because they're raised by people with whom ideals have absolutely nothing to do with the world or the complete reversal of what they do in the world. You know, like Whitney Houston saying, I believe the children of the future love the children. Children are wonderful, the greatest gift, blah, blah, blah. And then treating her daughter like shit. Oh, things that go on in the mind have nothing to do with reality. So then you sever, cut. The mind needs grounding in reality like the head needs a spinal cord to move the body. If you can't get your brain grounded in reality, in truth, in facts, you are an infectious void because you are driven to sever, to behead everyone else around you, to separate, to separate their concepts, their mind, their thinking, their reason from everything in the actual world. You are around sawing off people's heads and letting them float off into nothing. It's a compulsion. You, you think you're helping them. You, you, you think it's somehow a reasonable thing to do. And all you're doing is defending your parents and saying, hey, man, it's not like we were assholes. That's just human nature, man. It's just reality. 99.9% uh, .9 of people's conceptual beliefs are just protecting bad parents or indifferent parents or neglectful parents or whatever, right? That's what people do. I mean, if they're if they're thinking is really disordered, almost all of their thinking, and I've, you know, after thousands of conversations and 16 years of talking to people in public about this, I hope I have some credibility. Just about everybody whose ideas are dissociated from reality are doing so in order to protect their parents by pretending that their parents weren't somehow an exception to a good moral rule, but that's just, that's life, man, that's human nature. It's not that my parents were hypocrites, it's just that there's, there's no connection between concepts and, and reality. And every, everything everyone claims to be true or right or good is just a delusion. That's nihilism, right? So, yeah, I mean, you've got to heal that in yourself. Otherwise, you're not just destroying your own life. You're compelled to go and destroy other people's. And the beheading of the mind that occurs in most of what is laughably called education these days is a truly brutal, brutal crime against humanity. Stefan radicalized me to be, to be an attentive parent. Very nice. He radicalized me to stop spanking. He radicalized us to homeschool. He radicalized me to find a proper woman and start the kid production process. Yay! It's horrific. Imagine spending time with your kids. Did Stefan just say yellow fever? Yes, but not in connection to East Asian women. <laughs> Best idea for preventing workplace fear generators of employers due to COVID-19 without getting fired. Uh, yeah, try not to bring your politics or, or this kind of stuff to work. Not good. Is your brother based or blue-pilled? You know, I don't even talk about my brother. Um, it's not really fair. 
it's not his fault that I'm infamous and famous and so Library near Lawrence and Don Mills. Yes, I did go to the library near Lawrence and Don Mills. Uh, I had my first couple of jobs in Canada in the Don Mills Mall. And I used to go to the bowling alley up there uh, to play video games, to play Defender. I never really bowled, but I did enjoy video games. I remember when up at that mall opposite the library, I must have been 12, a new Baskin Robbins opened, and it was 10 cents for an ice cream cone. (laughs) And much sugar was was imported into my system that day. But yeah, Lawrence and Darmels, that's, uh, that's where I grew up. And uh, I was there from the age of 11 until I left to go to the National Theatre School. Yeah, because I went to Glendon College, which was uh, up there beyond the bridal path where Getty Lee lives. And um, yeah, I was about, I was there for almost a decade, almost a decade. Not a bad neighborhood, actually. Not a bad neighborhood in many ways. It was it was a real mix. Uh, rich people, poor people, good houses, bad houses. So I, I wasn't stuck in some total underworld of uh, inner cityness. So. Used to go to the Pizza Hut by there. I think I remember Steph serving me pizza. You know, it, it, it's very likely. <laughs> it's very likely. I worked at that Pizza Hut for quite some time. Uh, that was a good job. Let me tell you, that was a good job. I was happy to have that job uh, at Pizza Hut. I uh, really liked it and... I got free food, man. You know, I was hungry a lot, man. That was a great. That was great. And I, a Pizza Hut, my favorite pizza, bar none. That crust is absolutely to die for. And pizza to me is all about the crust. And that slightly oiled, slightly crusty, bulbous crust. Uh, it's, I mean, I don't want my mouth to water and short circuit my microphone here. But yeah, I, I worked there for quite some time. And it's. I remember there was this guy who worked there. He was an Italian guy. And he would always corner me and and i don't know why people have always wanted to impress me who who are bullshit artists but anyway he would always corner me and i remember he had a pair of jeans that was worn in the crotch you know where his twig and berries were i don't know why he was he was wear those jeans and he would always talk to me about all the big business deals and you know he was buying this house and he was going to flip it and he was making all these big business i don't know why people who are bullshit artists always seem to want to corner me and impress me i don't know why it is just a it's a curse that has driven me from life (laughs) it's uh it's just one of these things that happens and i just remember thinking you know and what can i tell you i mean if you're flipping houses and got all these business deals going on why are you working as a waiter (laughs) Pizza Hut. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Like, why are you working? Pizza Hut also had the greatest fettuccine Alfredo known to man back in the day and a really good hot chocolate. But anyway, yeah, if you went to the Pizza Hut, oh gosh, let's do the math here. I think I got my Pizza Hut job when I was 15. Maybe no, might have been a bit older. Might have been a bit older. But uh, no, 15, I was working at a hardware store. I got my Pizza Hut job there. 17 maybe 16 or 17 i worked there for i think two years off and on and yeah if you were there you, you would have heard me i walking around like uh like i was wearing chain mail because this is back most people didn't use visas and uh, you'd get paid in in bills and coins and you'd wait to settle until the end of the night so you'd be walking around chung, 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 all of the coins in your belt pouch it's kind of crazy i could have taken three bullets to the groin and laughed laughed i tell you Used to go to there for the five dollar lunches. Oh yeah, oh, you your family owned the video store next to it. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, five dollar lunches were killer. They this is back. I don't think they've done this for many years, but it was horrible. Uh, I mean, it, well, I didn't find it that horrible because it wasn't like I got charged if the lunches didn't work. But 
the guy, Tony, the restaurant manager there, used to throw up blood sometimes. He would get so stressed over those lunches. They were just brutal. They'd put a little timer on the desk. Uh, sorry, not the desk, on the, the, the table. They put a little timer. So you had to go, you'd hit the timer, you'd take their order, you'd have to get the drinks out, and then you'd have to get their food out in five minutes or less. And you got eight tables. I mean, you're doomed, right? I mean, you, you just can't get them all. Now, people wouldn't necessarily get a free lunch, but they had a coupon for a free lunch next time. And uh, it was, yeah, man, it was it was it was mad chaos. And of course, you can't cook a pizza in five minutes because uh, <laughs> I was certainly, well, because the obvious reason, right? I remember a drunk guy coming into that Pizza Hut one night and demanding a pizza with everything on it. And the manager just said, no, you can't have a pizza with absolutely everything on it. Well, why? Because it won't cook. And that's my first lesson on diversity. All right. Let's see here. Ancient humans migrated north from Africa for a reason. Was it human enterprise or exile? I think you might want to revisit that theory. The out-of-Africa theory is not uh, is uh, not great. I wonder what a free-domain pizza would look like. i tell you what a free-domain pizza should have looked like was the one that someone gave 10,000 bitcoins for. It's wild to listen to Steph talk about growing up the same place I did. I have, I have a lot of fond memories of Don Mills. I have a lot of fond memories of, of Don Mills growing up in, in Don Mills. And, I'm, and maybe I'll do some big nostalgia piece one day, but um, I, I I look back on, on those with, you know, a, a wonderful innocence and a glorious possibility and all of that. Look, I'm very happy about how my life has turned out. My, my life has turned out. And, and, and thank you guys so enormously, deeply and humbly for that you know i mean we've we've gone through some shit together man <laughs> without a doubt we've gone through some shit together but you know i have a a wonderful daughter i have a a, a wonderful marriage very happy wife and uh, I, I still you get to do the most meaningful thing in the known universe which is to talk philosophy with you wonderful people so i'm, I'm when i say i'm nostalgic about my youth it's not because i feel like my life has turned out badly my life has turned out in many ways, better than I could possibly have imagined or statistically would have ever achieved. So I'm enormously happy about that. But I do, um, I do, I do have fun memories. I'll do, I'll do a retrospective one day if anybody's interested. But uh, I do have a lot of, a lot of fun memories about growing up in Don Mills. There was some really, really. It, it was a good mixture. Like there was the Don Valley. Uh, they were just out back. I, I had, a, I had a whole um, out behind the Don Mills school. Um, green something or other. My best friend, when I was in junior high school, went there, uh, was back there. His father was a doctor, and uh, I'd go to his place every day after school pretty much, and we'd hang out and um, uh, play, and, and uh, I'd bring my Atari over sometimes. We'd play Star Raiders, and we had a debris dive, <laughs> go into the uh, debris when we blow up a spaceship and stuff like that. And back there was my first paper route. I did a lot of, oh man, some early mornings. I'm not a morning person. I had early morning um, stuff for, for newspapers and all of that. So yeah, I do have a lot of a lot of fun memories back there. And back in there is so back in I took my when my wife was still my girlfriend, uh, we went back in there like close to twenty years ago now, and I took her around to this Don Mills Walk. The Don Mills Walk is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to go back in there, you just go you know right past the high school on the right. There's a little path back there. You go over one street, and there's a little entrance, and you can go down into this amazing walk. It's like they say, ravine, lots of ravine views, and usually it's just a little slight depressing little depression that that uh, wouldn't even hide a crocodile in florida but um alligator crocodile alligator alligator in florida sorry crocodile in africa alligator florida uh, crocodile of course naturally in the northern oceans of australia because australia 
But you're going down there. It's a wonderful walk. And, and I used to go down there with my bikes uh, and bike gang. I had a little bike gang. I remember spending uh, probably an hour out back of the Don Mills Mall when it used to have a Sears there uh, trying to decide with my friends on the name of her bike gang. And to this day, I cannot possibly remember what the hell we decided to call it. But it was a pretty cool afternoon of creativity. And I was down there walking with the woman who became my wife. And I saw her climbing a hill and... She was. She's. I always called her the action wife because she's. She's. She's game for just about any risky thing, including philosophy. That that there's no demand. But um, I remember seeing her walk up that hill, and I remember thinking, and with a very great sense of clarity and peace, we've been dating for two or three months at this point, and I remember thinking, yeah, I'm not going to do better than this. I, I there's no. There's no upgrade from here. Like she's so much fun. She's so great. She's so funny. She's so smart. She's so attractive. I uh, can't can't upgrade. So I'm done. Let's just get married. And I didn't ask her there. It took a little while. I get to the ring and all that. But I remember just being on that walk in Don Mills, back where I, like a stone's throw from where I used to deliver my papers was where I realized that this was the love of my life and there was no, nothing better that I could do. So, all right, Steph, why do parasocial relationships with celebrities happen? That is, I, I've thought about this. I have them. I have, I have these parasocial relationships with celebrities. I, I do. I used to have dreams when I was a, a teenager. I used to have dreams of, of living in a big old Victorian house with Sting and talking about Dickens for some reason. Like I, just, I my, my obsession with Freddie Mercury has lasted probably well, a lot longer than this show. Uh, I'm to a lesser degree uh, mildly obsessed by um, Michael Hutchins, singer for In Excess. I, I just find singers in particular, but other people as well. Um, I am uh, I'm fascinated and there's a lot of deep stuff in these in these relationships. I know that for me, I know that for me I couldn't do what I do with any of the integrity with which I do it, which I hope is a considerable amount, but I couldn't do what I do if I wanted fame. I couldn't do what I do if I wanted praise, approval, success, money. I I, I couldn't do what I do if I wanted those things. Yet I have a great deal of talent and capacity to do things and I think some of my obsession with celebrities, because I tend to be drawn most to the celebrities who die young, right? Most of the, Michael Hutchins uh, hung himself on a door because he couldn't get to his, his kids, uh, couldn't get to see his kids for Christmas. Um, Freddie Mercury basically killed himself with penis. Uh, and um, uh, Jim Morrison, another guy I, you know, died 27. And there's a lot of them. So, and, and the reason why, I think, the reason why I'm, so drawn to these stories is uh, it's an attempt to try and club to death the baby seal of belief that I have. Why, there's a vivid image for you. I'll stick with it. To club to death the baby seal of delusion that I have that to be, you know, rich, talented, famous, successful, beautiful, whatever, that that's going to make you happy, right? And we all have to try and find that, that delusion, that vampire of delusion, that, that money, looks, fame, success, people cheering your name, that that's going to make you happy. You got to find that, and you, you got to dispatch that. You know, I'm all for you know like uh, conversing with yourself, and it's a ecosystem, and everyone gets to the table. But that thirst for fame, I mean, that's so incredibly dangerous. I mean, what is it that the British kids were asked recently, like, uh, what what do you want most in the world? And to be famous, like, not for any particular reason, like Kylie Jenner famous, just be famous. They'd be famous. That's what they want, right? But now, what is it? Kim Kardashian is divorcing. Is a third divorce, fourth divorce? I don't know. I lose track. But she's divorcing Kanye West now. That's what I heard, and um, yeah, it's pretty horrible. So, because I have a lot of talent, I, I think I was really drawn to this idea. You know, well, be be rich, be famous, be successful, be be praised, be cheered, 
and that's going to bring you happiness. And yet, of course, all of these people had all of those things and uh, died miserable, alone, uh, messed up. That's a terrible thing. So I think a lot of times, and this is why people celebrate the fall of a celebrity. They do. They celebrate because the celebrity claims to have everything that we want. And if they're miserable, it, it releases us from their hold. It, it releases us from their hold. I mean, whatever you think of the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard stuff, right? Whether you think he is the wife abuser she claims and that the British court has affirmed, whether you believe his side of the story and, you know, she was the abuser and he was the victim as his exes have claimed for many years that he was not this violent guy or whatever. Oh, God, I mean, being in a relationship where you're screaming at each other and verbally abusing each other and he loses his fingertip in some drunken brawl and being on drugs. I mean, that, that's a, a fucking nightmare. Like, that. that is a hell of an existence. And now, you know, I mean, I, in my view, at least, he's, he's kind of doomed, right? Because movie stars are bankable. He's got, you know, he's he's aging out of, of the good looks, right? How, how old is, is Johnny Depp? Um, he's in his mid-50s, something like that. I think he's roughly my age. I don't know. But he's kind of aging out of the pretty boy looks in a pretty pretty nasty way, in my view. I mean, he was a gorgeous guy when he was younger, with high cheekbones and great hair and all that. But he's aging out. So now he's, it's his likability. It's his Q factor that, that matters, that counts. It's the only reason he's going to... He was a very talented actor, but, uh, you know, he's not so pretty anymore. You know, I get it. I'm not quite so pretty as I used to be anymore either. But, you know, that's not my... My job is not to look that good. And one of the reasons for his success was just how attractive and how, how pretty he was. And more pretty than handsome. But now he's got that, you know, wizened back foot of the vampire, leather face, never saw sunscreen, not doing too well kind of situation, right? The tire tread of time has left some pretty brutal marks on his face as it seems to have ground back and forth over his visage. So now, he, the only, how can he be su successful? The only way he can be successful is if people really, really like him. But people don't really like wife beaters, right? Which is the accusation and seems to have held up in court. So, you know, maybe it's true, probably is. But... He owes a huge, he owes a crap ton of money to the government. This is what happens a lot of time with these creative types. They don't take care of their money. And, you know, Sting had an accountant steal from him. He had to go to court. And the judge was saying to Sting, uh, he, you know, the guy says you gave him 100,000 pounds or whatever it was so his kids could go to school. And Sting was like, well, I'm a, I'm a generous man. I'm not that generous. Uh, it happened to uh, Elton John. People stole from him uh, and uh, Billy Joel and, and the Eagles and uh, Queen. It was just brutal. The, the Death on Two Legs song, which is a ferocious song about a predatory manager uh, that the band was just shocked when Freddie first played it to them because they're like, oh, my God, this is brutal. Are we going we to get sued? They dedicated to dot, 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 like there was never going to be an Internet, right? So Johnny Depp, why is he pursuing all these court cases, lawsuits or defamation or whatever, because he owes a staggering amount of money to the government for unpaid taxes. And if he can't get movie roles, what's he going to do? Work at McDonald's to pay them off, pay off the millions and millions of dollars that he owes? No, he's... So I think people have a parasocial relationship with celebrities because I think deep down they're trying to fight themselves free of this rather demonic spell cast by celebrities that shallow, materialistic bullshit is how you become happy. Aren't we all trying to wake up from that satanic delusion that 
being praised by others will make you happy, that being beautiful physically will make you happy, that lots of money will make you happy, the Faustian bargain of success in the material realm will somehow magically translate to eternal happiness. But it's something uh, I heard many, many years ago, that if being rich, famous, talented, and beautiful was enough to make you happy, Mallory and Monroe would still be alive today. And we're all all sold this delusion that shallow, empty, material success will make us happy. And we're told that so we'll be good little consumer robots and buy all the shit in the known universe that we don't need in the hopes of achieving happiness when all we do is achieve a mild high, followed by a depression, followed by a return to spending. So we're programmed to believe. Like, God, what was it? Brooke Shields was doing some ad about you can have thicker eyebrows. She's got pretty thick eyebrows to begin with, but it's like, I remember reading that and it just, part of my brain just, bink, it just broke. Man, part of my brain just broke. Like, okay, so now you can't be happy if you're, I think I got this right. Now you can't be happy if your eyebrows are the wrong thickness. (laughs) But boy, if you spend 50 bucks to get this eyebrow thickener, Oh, man, you'll be so happy. My mom had this. My mom had this. She always felt, and this is not going to exactly help the Jewish myth about me, but my mom's nose, she felt, oh, my nose is too big. My nose is too big. So when I was, I think in my early or mid-20s or something like that, she had a nose job, right? She got a nose job because, you know, that's what welfare's for, I get a nose job. So she got a nose job, and, man, she looked like she'd been beaten up by a boxer called Vanity, right? And... I mean, it didn't, it didn't change anything. It, what did it change? What, what did it ch- It didn't change her personality. It didn't change, right? So she was, you know, she had a, I, I didn't notice or care or whatever, right? But yeah, 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 yeah. So we all sold this fever dream. And it's not just, it's not just modern capitalism. It's not just marketing. It, it, it's something that we hunger for. Is there any way I could be happy without actually having to be good? That's what we're all desperate for is that, any goddamn way I can be happy without having to be virtuous. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why some people hate me, right? Because I say love, which is necessary for happiness, love is our involuntary response to virtue, if we're virtuous. Love is our involuntary response to virtue, if we're virtuous. That's it, man. There's no shortcut. Love is not our in, uh, our involuntary response to cleavage or thicker eyebrows, or a better nose. <laughs> it's not, it's not, not how it works. It's not, it can, you know, that's not going to work. It's never going to work. So what we're being sold with material shit is the idea that we can be happy without being good because being good threatens the powers that be. You know, being good means having integrity, being honest and being curious, getting facts, being responsible and treating people well and, and, and treating good people well and treating bad people justly. Right? Justice is just giving people what they deserve, giving people what they deserve. If somebody is honest, they deserve your respect for their honesty. If they're dishonest, you they deserve your contempt for their dishonesty. If somebody has integrity, they deserve your praise and admiration and maybe emulation. And if they don't have integrity, you know, you have to... So you just, you pay people what they deserve. You give people what they effing deserve, right? Like in uh, Joker, not like in Joker, don't do that. But um, so we're all... And the, the magazines, like the, the supermarket checkout magazines, and I will a couple of times a year, I'll pick one, I'll flip it through, I'm going to get the zeitgeist and so on, what's going on, right? And they're all selling this mad fever dream. 
This is Meghan Markle's outfit. It costs her $12,000, but you can get it for only $900. And here's how. And you, you're going to, what, you're going to look like Meghan Markle? Like this stupid shit that happens? Like you know, Kim Kardashian wore this particular brand of mascara and, and you can get this look. No, you can't. <laughs> this fucking look. You can't get. Oh, Kim Kardashian's blank-eyed, empty-souled, sex robot vacant stare look by putting on her mascara. You just can't. <laughs> you too can be a philosopher by wearing a Hawaii t-shirt. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, they sell us all this stupid shit that if we're prettier, we'll be happy. If we're richer, we'll be happy. If we are, uh, if we have a new video card, we'll be happier. If we and it's not true, but how do we wake up for it? I think we wake up for it by bonding with celebrities and then watching them, which is why the celebrity fall from grace, like the Britney Spears stuff and all the celebrities are all so popular because it's just try us trying to wake up from the fever dream, the propaganda. Don Mills crew here. It was awesome in the 90s. Yeah. Steph, would you ever debate an atheist in favor of Christianity or religion? I support an atheist's right to free thought and speech. Oh, that's an interesting idea. It's an interesting idea. Steph, if there's one thing you could have done differently in your life, what would it be? Oh, worry less. But, you know, you, you worry sometimes when you're younger because you don't know how things are going to turn out. And things have turned out pretty well. But I also wonder if it didn't turn out well because I worried. But, yeah, looking back, you can throw a message back through time saying don't worry so much. Went to Don Mills for summer school. Yeah, me too. Man, did I have an asshole history teacher for summer school. He was so boring. And he had a really bad toupee. And when you're a kid, watching a guy in a toupee is like, oh... That's bad, man. That's one reason I never got hair transplants or toupees or any of that shit or comb-overs. Embrace the bald, man. Love the egg. Love the egg. But, um, yeah, this guy was so boring, and I just, I just like, closed my eyes in the back of the class or whatever, and then I had to give up, go up and give a presentation, and uh, he was screaming at everyone, you put your heads down on your desk and pretend to sleep, just like Steph does. And then he turned to me, how does it feel when they do it to you, huh? It's like... Uh, I think those implants on <laughs> that toupee went deep, deep into your brain and removed your um, neofrontal cortex. All right. Um, let's see here. What if COVID and economic crash are a part of a master plan for population control? Yeah, well, population control is... Uh, and th by that, that doesn't mean control of the population. It means reducing the numbers of people. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, pretty inevitable, right? You can have a low IQ and still know right from wrong. Yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. But when your IQ dips low enough, you know, I don't know what it would be. Uh, um, 60, 50. I mean, you can't really, right? Do women want virgin men like men want virgin women? No. Uh, no. Because men want virgin women because it's mommy's baby and daddy's maybe. Whereas if she's a virgin, she's got her hymen and it's been checked by some creepy elder. Not that I'm recommending this. It's just what happens in some cultures then you know for sure the baby's yours, right? But virgin men, eh, not particularly. Because, I mean, this is the endless complaint, right? Um, the endless complaint is that men want hyper-sexy women who will also be great moms. And it's like, eh, yeah, sometimes it can happen. Sometimes it can happen. But not very often. That, that's, you know, the hot crazy matrix, right? So you want somebody hyper-sexy, hyper-attractive, and they're also willing to give it all up and stay home with babies and, and, you know, have 
babyhood and motherhood ride roughshod over their body and the figure and their tits and all. Well, um, not likely. And so what happens is that men will go out with these super hot women and then find that they're not particularly ready to settle down and they're restless and they're easily bored and they're constantly craving male attention. It's like, well, yeah, because their looks are a kind of drug that they got addicted to. And uh, in, the, in the same way, women want men who are very successful and men who are very successful are often very emotionally absent. They don't have a lot of empathy. They have to be very aggressive because, you know, if you're a man, every time you win, some of the, usually some of the men could be a woman sometimes, but uh, other men lose. So you have to be single-mindedly focused on your success at the expense of other people. You've got to even enjoy sometimes the, the failure of those you're competing against. Or as Gore Vidal put it, it's not enough that we succeed. Our friends must also fail. <laughs> That's too harsh. But I was happy to shoulder my way to the front of the alternative media and have just about the biggest show on the planet for, I don't know, five, seven years straight. I was very happy to do that. I thought it was great. And other people can't compete. It's like too bad, right? But um, so women want men who are going to be very successful. Those men tend not to be very emotionally available. They tend to be very competitive, high testosterone and low empathy. And then the women say, well, it's a, it's a beautiful house. I'm glad that you got me all this money, but you're just not emotionally available. It's like, you know that the money comes from me not being emotionally available, right? So anyway, that's, um, yeah, they don't want virgin men. They want uh, men with resources. Oh, the female fighter Miriam Nakamoto dumped her wonderful boyfriend because he lost one UFC fight, fell down in a cowardly way. Well, that doesn't shock me too much. I mean, you don't become a female fighter in the in, in UFC because you're low aggression, right? And, and low dominance and low high status. I mean, you all these things are very high, so... Team player is about transferring labor and productivity from non-diversity hires to diversity hires. Are there still non-diversity hires? I wasn't aware of that. I love your work, but you misunderstand Judaism. You view it with Christian eyes, says Jake the Jew. Well, my friend, I am perfectly happy to uh, hear, uh, to be corrected. I'm certainly no expert on Judaism, and I'm perfectly happy to be corrected on this as any other topic. So I don't want to be anything wrong. So you want to send me uh, um, a message? I would be, I would be very happy. So. Uh, what do we got here? Why haven't you moved to Poland yet? It's a fine question. <laughs> it's a fine question. Uh, let's see here. Any thoughts on young infants under eight months crying a lot? My youngest nephew is pretty stressed. I'm concerned there was... Oh, there was... You're concerned there was circumcision? Or you're concerned because you know there was circumcision? Um crying a lot. Yeah, I would assume that they're crying a lot for one of two reasons. Obviously, there could be some physical discomfort, could be digestive issues, could be colic, could be any number of things. Uh, uh, gas uh, for babies can be very unpleasant. So if, if it's correlated with eating and so on, again, I'm no doctor, but you might want to take them in for a checkup and uh, maybe an allergy test or a lactose test or just find out. Uh, I have some friends who um, uh, two of their daughters had significant digestive issues. Actually, have three friends whose kids have significant digestive issues, and it's really, really important to, to check. If there's a lot of crying, it's something that needs to be fixed. It could be emotional distance. It could be crying a lot. Yeah, circumcision is not a good thing for this. Why do so many people get tattoos, especially women? Uh, because uh, low IQ people aren't going to they're not going to find each other without markers, right? I mean, they're not going to find each other without markers. And, you know, I know there's smart people who get tattoos, so there's lots of exceptions. Maybe the people in this audience have tattoos. But in general, tattoos say, I, I don't have any 
long distance time preferences. Everything to me is short short term. I don't think about myself when I'm older. I don't think about myself trying to get a job in 10 years. I don't think about any of that stuff. And I'm kind of masochistic. And I want to show that I've been abused as a child. And this is statistically the case that people who've got tattoos have experienced far higher rates of child abuse. Otherwise, why would they want to experience an extraordinary amount of pain to advertise that they're willing to submit to pain? So yeah, it is unfortunately, it's a lower IQ, um, short term time preference and a marker of I'm not going to deal with my child abuse. I want you to reenact it. And that's what that tattoos will show me uh, is going on. Uh, this is your invitation to continue where my parents left off. My brother would not likely not tell me considering my stance. Hmm. Well, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Well, I would work at building up your relationship with your brother to the point where he might be able to tell you about it. So. It's a shame Trump didn't do a single thing to thwart big tech censorship whilst in office. Well, uh, Trump did terrible things. Uh, I mean, terrible things as a whole. And, you know, I, I say this knowing that he was being beaten down from every single direction and the true psychopaths in the media were after him, no holds barred and all that. But no, he did the worst possible thing, which is he threatened big tech censorship within weeks of the election, which meant that they were going to go all in to suppressing Hunter Biden's stories. They were going to go all in on deplatforming potential Trump supporters or people who at least would tell the truth about what was going on. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you don't threaten big tech right before an election. I mean, you do, and you lose the election. I mean, no doubt, no doubt, big tech through the election to Biden. There's no doubt about that whatsoever uh, to anybody who's studied the matter in any real way. I know it's not a big argument. I've got all the facts here, but um, yeah, big tech. See, I, I started getting suppressed on YouTube pretty seriously after I gave my speech against big tech censorship in the European Parliament. So yeah, Trump uh, did the worst possible thing. Uh, worst possible thing, which is, uh, uh, you know, he threw away his own weapons and then um, trash-talked a violent person. <laughs> bad idea. Very bad idea. What is your opinion on Jehovah's Witness? Uh, I've talked to some people who come from that community. It's pretty rough on the kids, man. Love the Plato Aristotle vids. Yes, and I will uh, at some point get around to finishing up my... Uh, video on Immanuel Kant. Oh, you know what? Let's do this while we're here, just in case, you know, you're dropping by and you have not been uh, around for a while. Let me give you the link to the free domain telegram chat. Uh, but, but I always forget how to do this, so I do apologize, uh, but I will get it in just a second here. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, that went too high. <laughs> it went too high. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, copy link. So, yeah, here you can um, uh, join this group. It's a really good group. Really good uh, arguments and debates in there. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. The ravine was great bike rides. Oh, yeah, great bike rides in that ravine. Absolutely. Uh, I was I was sad to see the Dunmill Mall had been pulled down. That was that was sad. That was sad. Hello, Steph from Melbourne, Melbourne. Sorry, Melbourne, not Melbourne, Melbourne. I listened to you while driving a train. Well, I appreciate that. Um, everybody loves the sound of a train in the distance. <laughs> uh, in this COVID era, is online dating a good idea? Uh, why not? Why not? You got to have your life, right? You got to have your life. 
All right, so what do we got here? Free domain, bank and email my address. Where to ship the books? At free domain, bank and email my address. Where to ship the books? Don't know what that means, sorry. Uh, I have my books on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like listening to him. I hate reading him. Yeah, the books are all audiobooks, except for The Art of the Argument, which you can get on audible.com. Oh, you like to have physical copies? So just download the um, PDF and print it if you want. What did Nietzsche mean by no facts and only interpretations in relation to objectivity and subjectivity? Uh, well, um, so two people can look at the same facts and can get different interpretations, right? So some uh, people can look at facts uh, like uh, the mask mandate states fared no better or worse than the no mask mandate states. Some people can look at that and say, well, uh, masks don't work. Other people can look at that and say, well, you know, clearly the Republican states that don't have mask mandates are underreporting their data and therefore Republicans are liars, right? Something like that, right? I mean, this is the way. So... There are facts, but, I mean, the biggest and most destructive lie in American history uh, outside of the Civil War was uh, the, the fine people hoax, right? The idea that Trump went down to Charlottesville and called neo-Nazis fine people, right? Uh, the most destructive lie in American history because it has completely hollowed out the middle of the political landscape, and now it's uh, Nazis and those who hunt them. That's, that's all that's left in American politics. Nazis and those who hunt them, which is another reason why I'm off politics, because... Uh, I really don't want to be in either camp in any way, shape, or form. So there was a video of Trump saying, you know, there were people there who supported the removal of the statues. There were people who supported the, the keeping the statues, and there were fine people on both sides. He says, of course, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists. They should be condemned totally, right? So he clarified. He was, you know, not, but all they do is they show you a bit, right? And they've, they've sliced and diced what I've said over the years, and they've found remarkably little remarkably little, even with slicing and dicing and a hunger to discredit me from a evil, empty-hearted, sophist standpoint, they found almost nothing. But, you know, there are people genuinely out there who believe that I'm a eugenicist and want government to control population uh, reproduction uh, because I said uh, the breeding arena of the species needs to be cleaned up. But I was talking about pedophiles and child abusers. <laughs> we got to clean up the people who are around our children. Now, it wasn't particularly well phrased, uh, and it was about what, seven years ago or something like that, and it was a call-in uh, that kind of came and went. But, you know, they, they found it and they dug it up, and there's other things that people have come up. They said, uh, I said, uh, um, I don't view humanity as a single species. And I said, I know they are a single species, just metaphorically, the way you look at criminals and and uh, their prey, you can look at it as a different species. And then they say, oh, he's a racist because he thinks that human beings are different species. It's like, it's not what I said, it had nothing to do with race, and I clarified it immediately. But, you know, they can slice and dice that stuff, whatever they want. So people look at that speech that Trump gave, or speeches speeches that I gave. They look at Trump's uh, speech and, and they say, oh, he thinks that neo-Nazis are fine people. Other people say, no, no, like 20% of, of blacks in America want those statues to stay. Does that mean they're also neo-Nazis and white supremacists? Who knows, right? Uh, so... People look at a speech and, and one people, well, some people come away and say, well, you know, Trump is standing up for history and he condemns neo-Nazis. And other people say Trump praised neo-Nazis as truly fine people, as, as, as fine people, right? So are there facts? Yeah, there are facts. What Trump actually said, those are facts, right? But interpretations? Yeah, so people who, um, well, it's, just, you know, I mean, the mainstream media is just a big IQ test fundamentally, right? So the people who, 
We're just like, oh, okay, well, I guess if Trump likes neo-Nazis, then all the Republicans must be neo-Nazis, and everyone who votes for him is a neo-Nazi, and you can punch Nazis, and right, you get you know, road to civil war, straight up, right? So, I mean, if you can't beat people, you get them to fight each other until you can, right? So, when, when Nietzsche says there's no facts, only interpretations, he, he, he's talking about a reality that some people are just so dumb and so volatile and so emotional and so easily led by the nose that although facts exist, it's irrelevant, that, that those facts are irrelevant to their existence. And they're very dangerous people, very toxic, very dangerous, very destructive people. Almost as destructive as the people who continually lie to them, but yeah, very dangerous and destructive people. And so you got to, I mean, in terms of your life, you, you, you can't have a happy life if you have people who make up, who make up facts like the Federal Reserve makes up money. You just can't, can't. So, all right. You blow my mind, Steph. <laughs> I suck your mind. You blow my head. Make love inside your bed. It's an old Queen song. All right. Stefan would consider making an OnlyFans account, LOL. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I should have started a book of my favorite Steph quotes. Why not? I keep misspelling his name. Yeah, welcome to the club. You had hair at Pizza Hut. Yeah, I had a great head of hair back then. Best advice to politely and respectfully decline anti-racist training at work. Enjoy my job, but want no part of the woke training. Um, well, I mean, you can ask what is the purpose of the anti-racist training as well to reduce racists and say, well, I'm not a racist, so I don't need it. Like any more than uh, if you already knew how to play tennis and there was training on how to play tennis. It's like, no, I already know how to play tennis. Like, I'm, I already condemn racism. I don't, I, I really don't want to waste time and resources. So the companies in particular, right? So Alex Lifeson, RAP Neil Pert. Yeah, yeah. I assume it's way below 74 IQ. Honestly, scared to face what my IQ really is. Why? I, I mean, why? <laughs> IQ, IQ is not going to define you as a human being. You can be noble, brave, virtuous. Uh, you can have honesty, integrity, and, and love, and all of these. And you don't have to have 150 IQ to be a good person. In fact, a lot of people with 150 IQ are terrible people. So. All right. Ah, the old real estate tycoon moonlighting as a pizza artist to keep a low profile trick. All this trick in the book. Is it really? I have pictures of the Domino's Mall being torn down. Oh, can you email them to me if you have them digitally? Um, uh, might as well get a few minutes of sadness. It would be neat to do a stream with folks that grew up there. Yeah. Playing in the ravine by the river was always a good time. Absolutely. I remember swinging. Uh, my friends and I would get ropes from the garbage and we would, we were garbage pickers par excellence. And we would get ropes and we would tie them to the bottom of that big giant bridge that goes over the ravine in the Don Mills Valley, in the Don Valley. And we would swing out there and back. And I remember once, this was my... Uh, this was my introduction to overambition. It's like, I can do four swings and I just couldn't. And my muscles just completely gave out on the fourth swing when I was out. And I just, I fell on the rocks, man. Oh, it was brutal. It was just brutal. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good lesson though. It was a good, it was a good, <laughs> it was a good lesson. Uh, I would really like you to have a son. Have you considered all the in vitro options and stuff? Uh, you know, it's funny when I was younger and, and, um, I'd, I'd hear women say, oh, you know, I, I, I married a guy, he's older, he's already had his kids, and he doesn't want more. And I was like, oh, why wouldn't you want more kids? And I'm like, 
yeah, okay, I'm going to be 55 this year. Yeah, I can see that. I can see why you wouldn't want more. I mean, it's very, very nice, very nice thought. But no, I, uh, I don't, don't feel like starting. <laughs> I don't feel like starting again. Ah, oh, all this Pizza Hut talk. I may have to order a P-Zone. What does it mean to be famous among people with no virtue? Most people only have fear, greed. Do you respect most people? Oh God, no, I don't respect most people. I don't disrespect them either. I, I generally, I assume, I treat people the best I can the first time I meet them. After that, I treat them as they treat me. I made 300 or more in crypto watching this stream. Well, congratulations and, and good. And freedomain.com slash donate if you'd like to. Uh, Stefan is incredible at details slash explaining scenarios. I am good at that. Yeah, I mean, they're not everything. But uh, that, that stuff I'm good at, coming up with stuff on the fly. Like I had a whole thing today. Oh, Johnny Depp is 57 years old. Okay, a little older. Um, it looks kind of rough. It looks kind of rough. Uh, when you get older, you, the stringy hair that hangs in a cool way when it's shiny and chestnutty in your 20s and 30s does not hang the same way. It's just like somebody nailed a vulture to your head and let it expire. So let's see here. Love your work, Steph. Have you thought of publishing under a different name for your creative work? Um, well, there's a plus and minus to that, right? If, if I publish under a different name, who on earth is going to read it? Uh, guys, freedomain.com slash almost. Freedomain.com slash almost. Click on, on the podcast or on the feed link. You can get this audiobook almost. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible book. You think I'm good at philosophy, man. You should see me do novels. Or listen to me, so. All right. He stopped me from making any moves buying and selling. Oh, good. All right. Unibrow is, is where it's at. The nose job got your mom plowed by more guys. I don't think it did. I mean, outside the coarseness of what you're saying, I don't I don't really think it did. Uh, she was past that. My mother is the same. Tons of plastic surgery. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Greetings from Guelph, Steph. Hey, Guelph, Ontario. Very nice. My kid is dying laughing about the eyebrows. It is a funny thing, right? Sorry, I'm so far behind, but let's see here. Is good an objective term? Is good an objective term? I think it shades. It's not purely subjective, and it can shade to good as in, is this a good bridge or a bad bridge? Well, the bad bridge falls down, and a good bridge is built not to excess to hold the weight, so... Stuffing enough pillows down your pants and in your shirt can totally get you that Kim K look. Yeah, the butt thing, the butt that you could use as a stepladder, that's really a thing these days, right? The monster African butt, that's just a thing. What can I tell you? It's not my thing. <laughs> it's not my thing, but um, my thing is more slender women in nice dresses. But anyway. Let's, oh, yeah, virgins are more likely to bond with you. Uh, yes, for sure. Do you think COVID was engineered? I, I do lean towards that opinion. I, I don't have proof, obviously. Nobody does. But um, I, I do lean towards that. Uh, certainly the COVID disaster was engineered because, I said this a million times before, sorry if you heard it before, but as you know, China was bound by the most solemn treaties in the known universe to report any potential pandemics. They didn't. They suppressed the information. They let people travel out of Wuhan internationally while shutting down domestic travel. Uh, they silenced people who were trying to talk out about it. They acted in collusion with the World Health Organization to suppress information and pretend there was no human-to-human -human transmission. All the while they were doing this, they were racing around the world, picking up PPEs, and then they, what they did was they put a patent on remdesivir back in China. And so, yeah, without a doubt, the, the actual COVID disaster totally engineered. Uh, there was absolutely no reason for it to happen. They should have shut down Wuhan. They shut down the borders. 
and it would have been contained, but of course China didn't want to suffer alone. So, Is this live? Or is it Memorex? Yes, it's live. Steph, will you ever be doing local meetups in the future? I am happy to uh, talk about it. I love meeting people in the flesh, but it's risky. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a political refugee. Uh, it's basically uh, the terrorists are out there who want to interfere with reason. Stefan physically resembles Mussolini a little bit. Mm, what do you say? Women with tattoos, sexually promiscuous. Well, sure, sure. Tattoos are stupid. Do you think they will go out of favor? But yeah, sure. Tattoos are just our selected branding, right? So, yeah. Will the recording of the stream go up at any point? Yes. Yes, it will. All right. A couple more questions. It's great. Great chats. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Well, back in the day when I used to eat ice cream, I very rarely do anymore. I'm going to be completely boring. Um... I like a good strawberry raspberry, but one of my favorite ice creams, believe it or not, is the McDonald's in a cone. A McDonald's ice cream is like shredded crack on a stick. It's just amazing. Ah, let's see here. I'm all for Stefan making OnlyFans <laughs> and selling my bathwater. <laughs> let's see here. They go out as audio podcast. Yeah, I do. I do put these on Bitchute. I do record these locally as well. Yeah, like the hoax that Trump Trump told people to drink Clorox, blah, blah, blah. Why Joe Rogan didn't re-invite Steph? Oh, his handlers don't want me on the show, right? All right. Yeah, Joe Rogan got, got owned by Spotify, which is owned by Tencent, which is in bed with the Chinese government. I mean, he's... Uh, but I hate the phrase controlled opposition because it sounds so conspiratorial, but if there ever was controlled opposition, man, that would be the guy. If a teenager asked you what is the best career to go into now, what would you tell them? Yeah, I can't really say that objectively. I would certainly don't go to university for the arts. My God, they will just destroy you. Um, but what, you, you've got to follow your passion, your bliss, right? You've got to, you know, if you can do something you love and find a way to make it pay for you, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Uh, the Democrats are pushing for looser weed laws. They want the masses to be stoned, just like the Chinese in the opium wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I hate the drug war. A drug should be legalized, but you can't have legal drugs and a welfare state at the same time. So, Yeah, a lot, a lot of what happens, uh, uh, I've never smoked pot, never had a brownie, never done any drugs. They're canceling Dr. Seuss. Yeah, they're canceling Dr. Seuss, of course. Meanwhile, Wet Ass Pussy by Cardi B is the song of the year. So you can't have Dr. Seuss, but you can have knowledge of Cardi B's for JJ, more than her doctor probably has, and that's just totally fine. My aunt loves to spread gossip and lies about other people in my family. My uncle's a beta male and does nothing to stop it. What can I? What do I do? Well, you model the right behavior to your uncle and confront the living hell out of your aunt. Say so you're saying this, it's not true, you're saying that, and do it in public. Like, if she likes to shame people behind the scenes, you shame her in front of the scenes, and your uncle uh, will see that and hopefully be... I mean, if you want people to do stuff and they're not doing it, model it for them. You know, I wanted people to be more philosophical and model it for them. That's right. All right. <laughs> a new flavor of shredded crack on a stick. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's not in the Kama Sutra, though. A shredded crack on a stick. It should be, but it's not. What inspired you to first start making call-in shows? I mean, it's going to sound corny, but it's my absolute devotion and love of the audience, of, of you guys. Uh, I just wanted more conversations with them, and, and I really, really enjoyed it. So, Gosh, women have it easy if only men would buy my bathwater. Yeah, they have it easy 
when they're younger, they have it tougher when they're older, right? All right. Steph, you still accept donations? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not free. I, I need to eat. So yes, freedomain.com slash donate. Will your daughter ever be in a high school or college classroom? <laughs> not by my desire. And she doesn't want it at all. She doesn't want it at all. She does not want it at all. Uh, no, she's making movies. She's making movies at the moment. She, she scripts her own movies. She does the animation. Uh, and she just... Uh, she's the most incredible movies. Uh, she's done one on coronavirus uh, and the pandemic. Uh, she's done a movie on children who want more respect from society and all the means by which they go about doing it. And uh, it's uh, amazing stories, amazing stories. And she's regularly slaughtering everyone and their dog in, among us, which she's t terrifyingly good at, by the way. I really have to stop being nice to her because she's really good. Is she still drawing dragons? She does right now. She's doing some animation for Among Us characters. Um, and it's quite funny because there's a regular group that we play Among Us with. And she plays more than I do. But I, I certainly play because uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, oh, she, no, she, the, the novels, oh, sorry, they are fiction movies, story movies. Um, she's, uh, so she, 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 everybody has a play style and she makes fun of people's play styles in animation. It's really, really funny. That's really funny. Um, do you find it lonely in regards to finding other rational thinking people to converse with? So uh, whether for better or for worse, and I don't exactly know why this is, I don't believe that I've ever experienced any really significant loneliness in my life. I, I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing. I'm just telling you straight up, I haven't really analyzed it. And I don't even know if I could because it's too much from the inside looking at me. But I really have not experienced loneliness in my life. And, and I think it's partly because my brain is so active. I can have imaginary debates and conversations. I used to write a lot of novels and poems and plays in particular. You've got to get into other people's. So you can say I have had enough imaginary friends to not feel lonely. I would feel um, regret if a relationship would end, like a romantic relationship would end. But that usually wouldn't last too, too long. Oh, once it did. Oh, my God, once it did. I'll tell you that story another time. But I don't really experience loneliness. Uh, now, of course, I don't because, you know, my we homeschool and, and um, uh, with my daughter and my wife 24-7 uh, over the last, uh, gosh, 14 months, 13 months. So uh, I certainly don't experience loneliness now. Uh, it wouldn't be the end of the world to have a couple of days on my own. But hey. Nonetheless, nonetheless. All right. Uh, I'm starting to dabble with crypto, but the nuances are killing me. I don't want to make any false moves. Uh, okay, again, I'm not telling you what to do with your money, but if it's money you're really nervous uh, about losing, it's probably not a good idea to put it in crypto. So, um, And there aren't any false moves. I mean, there's dumb stuff you can do, like investing in Bob coin down the street or whatever, right? But um, there aren't any false moves in investing. Again, assuming you're not doing stuff completely ridiculous, like, you know, your your brother has a, an idea for a uh, uh, selling weed on airplanes that's going to just take off, man. Uh, so but no, uh, if you do do some reasonable research and, and, and buy something that has value and, um, you know, try and track the price. And, and I think being in it for the long term is probably a good idea. But no, there's no. Uh, there's no there's no false moves. When I, I, I used to be more of an active investor and listen, I bought high and sold low. It doesn't really bother me. I, I, again, it sounds all kind of ridiculous. It doesn't really bother me. 
because I've also bought, bought low and sold high. I say, oh, well, I should always do that. It's like, well, yeah, but but you can't because nobody can predict the price of stocks and it's an uncertain environment. It's millions of people making millions of individual decisions based upon millions of individual criteria. You, there are no bad moves in, in stocks, right? Oh, I should have sold when it was higher. I should have sold it before it went low. It's like, but you can't know that. You can only beat yourself up about that if you assume omniscience. And if you're omniscient, you're not investing because you're all perfect and all-knowing and you're God, right? So God doesn't need to invest. Ah, let's see here. Uh, that's awesome. Loneliness sucks. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. And it can be, uh, it can be quite dangerous for your health. So try and try and connect with people as best you can. Is there a more vile group of people than the leftist Hollywood elites like Alyssa Milano? Man, she really is nuts. Man, she really is. She really is a a bad, bad, dangerous piece of work in my opinion. Somebody says, uh, I can't believe how much I hate public school. That place was a big part of my adult dysfunction. Well, look, I hear what you're saying. I, I really do. And I was not a big fan of public school, but I tell you this, you know, if you, if you really want to have a somber and serious and sober moment, you got to think of, you know, say, oh, the, the, the kids' suicides are up, kids' mental health dysfunction is up. And they, they think it's got something to do with not being in school. And they're absolutely, completely and totally wrong. The reason why kids are killing themselves, the reason why kids' mental health issues are up, it's not because they're not in school. It's because they're at home with abusive parents. Can we at least fucking admit to that as a society? Can we at least go that far and say it's not some mysterious absence from school? My God, I mean, if I had been locked up with my mother for 12 months straight with no school, no extracurricular activities, no going over to friends' places, oh my God, like murder-suicide would have been the optimum outcome. I don't know what would have happened after that. Well, I'm dead, right? But... No, the, the uh, people who were locked up with violent abusers and drunks and, and molesters and child predators and child rapists and sexual abusers and like these, these kids are, oh, they don't even have the relative security and safety of school or, or friends' houses. They, they are locked up with child torturers. And yeah, thanks lockdown people. You, you hung children in the torture prison of their own abusive families and and that's why they're killing themselves because they can't even <sighs> they can't even get away in school all right it's little things like is a trade better than selling than selling and then buying well just try try with a very small amount of money and just I didn't even get my own joke. Selling weed on airplanes will take off. Oh, I get it. Now I get my... But Alyssa is so hot. <laughs> but you'll pay for that, man. Deborah Messing is another piece of work. Oh, she is also just vile. Vile beyond words. Vile beyond words. Among Us is just a reboot of Assassin's Creed 3. Same thing. You just stab the person who is the one you were looking for. I've never played that. I've never played any of the Assassin's stuff. Have a good day, Steph. Always lovely to hear from you. Papi. More love and wisdom. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, I will close down today because I've done like close to six hours of, of uh, conversations today. You can probably hear it a little bit in my voice. And I really do appreciate everyone dropping by tonight. A great pleasure to chat with you. I love you guys so much. Freedomain.com slash donate to help out the show. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week and try and find a way to make this modern hellscape of house arrest into something better. Uh, maybe by, uh, I don't know, moving to Florida or Texas these days or something like that. So if you've got choices, look to what you can exercise 
Thank you so much for your support, your interest, your affection, and your questions. All massively appreciated. Take care. I'll talk to you soon.